Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 350. Guys, today you're meeting the man that is responsible for Restaurant Unstoppable. You'll find out what I'm talking about. <laughs> Here it is. No, that's it. I mean, we've we've lost our tribes. You know, we don't have, um, you know, uh, the groups anymore. We're all we're, we're so, you know, we have these digital communities with with virtual friends. And you know what? You know, I mean, I don't want to know the Facebook you. You know, <laughs> I really don't. I want to know the real you. And the real you is, you know, belling up to a bar. The real you is sitting in a restaurant like we are right now and, and shooting the shit. I mean, that's, that restaurants give you that environment. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. We all know loyal customers are the lifeline to our business. The more we have, the more we make, the more our employees make, which means the most important thing, security. Receive industry expert Nick Fosberg's 2017 National Restaurant and Bar Show presentation, How to Double Loyal Customers, by going to DoubleLoyalCustomer.com. You'll discover his three-step system for adding 20 loyal customers to your business in just Six months or less. Double loyalcustomer.com. Let me tell you about Design Crowd. Design Crowd is a website that helps startups and small businesses like restaurants, cafes, and bars outsource or crowdsource custom graphic, logo, and web design from over 550,000 designers from around the world. Check out designcrowd.com slash unstoppable to receive up to $100 off your first design project or simply enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, David Mazer. David, or I should say Professor David Mazer. <laughs> Are you feeling unstoppable today? Absolutely. You know, con- <laughs> yes. Considering the alternative, it's either unstoppable or unstoppable. <laughs> I'm going to go with unstoppable. Well, you're a pretty unstoppable dude. I've known you now for, what, five years? Is it going on five years. years? Yeah, it's been a long time. We Man. started a long time ago, brother. And you guys listening to this, this is a special moment. This isn't a normal interview i mean all my interviews are special but this one's i said i wasn't gonna cry. this one's special you're you're listening to the man who is responsible <laughs> for restaurant unstoppable uh, if it wasn't for yeah, david mazer this podcast would not exist wow Thank and that's you. true uh this is a very special interview i'm pumped for this like i'm i'm almost like i'm almost like choking up a little you know but like uh i've told the story that how mm. how i discovered podcasts there was this professor who first day of class walked in and said who here listens to podcast no one raised their hand no one this guy it's a night class he walks out and i don't want to get him in trouble this is at great bay community college where we're, we're recording right now where it all began where yeah it all where began. it all began he walked out into the hallway he looked left he looked right and there's a little sliver in the door you can see him on those classroom doors with like the metal mesh uh, that, that that's there. And like he, he says, you've got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> it's a night <laughs> class. So there's no one around. Uh, and he comes back into the classroom 
And he said, you guys are just losing or missing out on this amazing opportunity to learn whatever it is you want to know. Like, what are you interested in? Your homework is to go home and to find three podcasts that interest you. So that's what I did. And I started. Wow. Yeah. You were the only one paying attention. Uh, I'm happy that's I amazing. was. <laughs> no, wow. Eric, thank you. I'm just, I'm very humbled right now. And that's, because... that's where it all started. So wow. David Mazer, he's going to give you his email at the end of this. Make sure you send him an email and say thank you for being behind Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, Can we uh, end the podcast now? Because <laughs> this is really good. So that is uh, a little bit of the backstory of how I know David. And when I first started this podcast, I was really focused on interviewing restaurants. Um, but as I started to learn more, I learned that it's not necessarily the restaurant that you need to study. It's going to be the people mm. behind the restaurant. If you really want to know what it takes to be successful. Um, and since I've made that change, I was like, I gotta get David on this show because he was my mentor and this is a melting pot of mentors. And he's the one that guided me to this point. And I just got to share his, his story. He's a hospitality guy. He's got to be made an example of. Oh, so that's a lot of pressure, brother. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you got people that are way, way out of my box and way. John right Taffa, there. come on. Oh, this, these are just names. Right, um, I'll have to make some stuff up, but let's go. So uh, <laughs> that's the backstory, and now let me give the the formal introduction. David Mazer is considered the Renaissance man of hospitality. I have had the pleasure of interacting with him as a hospitality professional, pro- professor, <laughs> general manager, and mentor. He uh, his experience has spanned over twenty five years in hotel restaurants, clubs, consulting, and coaching. He has been involved in a half dozen startups and continues to grow his success. And this is just scraping the surface. I can't wait to get really going into this interview. Hmm. But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational (sighs) ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Um, I would have to say, and I'm so so glad we're having a chance to do this because this is great i've been thinking about it so i I would have to say you become your experiences Mm. and i think in the in the life of hospitality that is so true you don't realize it. you're doing the day-to-day you're kind of you're going through life and next thing you know you're in this place and you're like how did you get there and it's it's right there it's right there in front of you so um those experiences always been the best teacher and you know, you listen to advice from others and you take that advice, but as you sort of mature, you realize that voice inside is more accurate than a lot of the voices outside of you. And it's interesting. I listen to some of your other podcasts and you've got a common theme going in, <laughs> in here with these podcasts. And, and, you know, it's a lot of true, being true to yourself and uh, kind of going beyond yourself. You know, you think of um, successful restaurateurs. You know, they've all found their own voice. You know, uh, Jay McSherry and, uh, you know, Danny Meyer, you can put them in the same location. Mm-hmm. They're going to do a different program. Yeah. You know, there's no one way to do anything in this business. There's your way, there's my way, and there's someone else's way. But that's, in, and we're going to be successful doing it the way we do it because we've been experienced with mm. that. So, um, that's the mantra. You be, you become it. your experience, dude. You I love it. Mean? And just hearing that you become your experiences, when you think of experiences, you think of the, doing the thing. And one of the big lessons I've learned uh, is that success in this industry really comes from doing the work. And not necessarily uh, just the physical work of the day-to-day, but doing those things that you're a little afraid to do or you're putting off because you, you're – like it's scary because you might not quite sure – like 
fully understand it. But when you do the thing and you just force yourself to do the work and like you, you are a product of your experiences, you know, like just do the, just do the work, do the thing and just lean into things that are scary. And like over time, like you're going to form into this incredible professional uh, person, everything. Is that align with anything you shared with yeah, us? Yeah, I mean, you know, essentially what you're saying is say yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> lean and th- into and, it. And think about it, Eric. I mean, how many times have you said no and regretted it? Yeah. And how many times have you said yes and regretted it? Well, all the times you said no, you go, ah, I wish yeah. I said yes. And all the times you say yes, you probably say, huh, I'd say yes again. Well, yeah, but you know, you, because you're putting yourself out there. And yeah. That, and that's where that growth is. And it's kind of like these, the people we're just talking about now. And they always say that, you know what? You can take them out of their success mm-hmm. and drop them anywhere. And they're going to do it again because they've done what you just said. Mm. They've, they've put themselves out there. They've made the mistakes and they, they've grown within themselves. Yeah. And, and you really have to experience stuff. You can't be afraid to, you know, it, 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 it makes me crazy when people just say, oh, you've got to fail to succeed. It's like, don't even think about it that way. Just do. <laughs> yeah, just you do know, it. Just do it. And I, I don't know if you remember, but in the, uh, in, in the class, uh, I, I, I always taught differently than the other professors. I said, look, you know, you don't lose in, you don't earn an A here, you lose an A. If the mm. class ends right now, you all have an A. How do you lose an A? Don't show up. Mm-hmm. Don't show up. And, you know, you had to come into class every day with one question, one assignment, and you had to read that. You had to put it through your own filters. I never mock students for, you know, gee, you had a typo on this. And it kind of blows my mind that professors do that. Mm-hmm. I want you to take the content, whether it was, whether it's customer service or restaurant development or um, restaurant finances. I want you to put that through your own life experiences and your own knowledge filters, and you spit it back out. Because you doing that and owning it mm-hmm. is going to be a heck of a lot more than me saying, oh, you better check the right box. Mm. It's so true what you say. Awesome. I love it. Oh, man, we could go on forever. There's things I want to like just start talking about. But we have work to do. Uh, we're going to dive in to find out more about what makes you you. So uh, let's go back in time. Uh, when did this all start for you? When did you know that your role in hospitality wasn't going to just be a for now job, but it was going to be your, your jam, your career? I still don't know. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, I, again, I, I, I just think you become your experiences. I, um, let's see, how far back do you want me to go? You know, I, um, I mean, when does it like really become get significant for you? I know you were bartending a, a lot, and then you had some great breaks. Uh, but when did you really start to realize that you enjoyed this work and that you want to stay in this work? Um, or maybe you're still trying to get out. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, you know, and, and I think you know Drucker nailed it. Yeah. You know you um, you perf- you perform in your strengths. Mm-hmm. You what know are you, what? What are, what are your strengths? And and I think I, I think I think my strengths my strengths come from my sort of experiences and my beliefs. Okay. You know I I um you know I, you know I I started I mean when I was really young because I uh, I, I I you know I, I had to you know you sort of you sort of find that strength when you have to. Yep. Um, and then uh, and then, like you said I did bartend. I mean I bartended anywhere between Boston and New Hampshire and Maine. I mean if you you name the bar on the seacoast, I probably bartended there. So that was uh, through my 
20s, Eric. And I was fortunate enough to be bartending at the Ritz-Carlton in Boston. And this was uh, early 80s. So there was a there was a little boom coming in mm-hmm. to Boston in that time in hotels. And Weston uh, Copley came in at that time. And I was able to go into Weston Copley as an opening, um, like a head bartender, beverage manager, and work with them in in setting up, you know, multiple outlet bars and hiring fifty banquet bartenders, and it was a huge wow. operation. Well, so what what is West? What was it? Uh, Western Wesley Copley? No, so, West Western Copley. Western Copley. Western Hotel. So, so it was a hotel, a uh, real popular hotel. At the well, time. yeah, I'm and, and, and back then, Eric, it was. It, hotels are different. Okay. I mean, now the profits determine the standards. Yep. Back then, the standards determined the profits. Okay. So you really, they, they were very serious mm. about the five dime and five star okay. and how we did that. So I was fortunate enough to come out of bartending at the Ritz where I had a lot of experience to get that job and go into that because now I'm going into that sort of pedigree yeah. of hotels and, you know, right time at the right place. And I would say in the 80s, all you really had to do was work your butt off, and you could mm. advance really quickly. So what was the, the Ritz like? Industry. What was your role at the Ritz like? So you were going from just like a management role or mm-hmm. just— No, I was, I was at the, the street bar, the front bar. Okay. And this was— What this was your was, title? I, I was a bartender. Okay. Yeah, I, no, I was a bartender there, and I was also—I mean, you know, keep in mind, I've always had—I mean, you know, when— I. I even when I was living on my own at like 17, you know, and when, when you're 17 and you're living on your own, where do you work? You work with this food, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. so, you, so you work at McDonald's, you work at Papa Gino. So I always had like two or three jobs constantly. So mm. when I was working at the Ritz, I was working at the Parker House okay. as a bartender. So I had good experience to get me in the door at Weston to do that. And once I got into Weston, you went through their training program. You went through finances. You you had a chance to make great money. Um, I I remember um, I was at a, at a point where I was a, a banquet captain with them, and I was making fantastic money. But I needed to learn sales and marketing, mm. and to to go into sales and marketing, you took like half your pay. Wow. Your pay got cut in half. Man. But I knew I didn't want to be a bartender or a yep. banquet captain the yep. rest of my life because what happens to all of us is we wake up tomorrow and we're 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, I'm so, only 30 right now. I'm like, where is everything well, be going? Be careful because you're going to wake up over. tomorrow and you're going to be 50. So think about that. <laughs> Gosh. You'd be in the moment. But, but you know, you and, and you just – you you um, you know, I, I had a chance to go into sales and I learned so much from them. I got – I learned every, every job I could learn in that hotel and mm. I got – experienced enough where they would send you to other hotels to open. You know, I mean, come on. I'm in my late 20s. Would you mind going to the uh, Western Maui we just took over? <laughs> yeah. We'll give you a Jeep. And Absolutely you, not. No, I'm not going. There's no way. That's awesome. So, and you, you know, and you got that. And then from there, I got into a local chain because of, um, you know, I had another opportunity to grow. And I was just in the right places at the right time because there was so much opportunity, Eric. And um, just by having all those experiences, I acquired so much knowledge mm. 
of um, you know, I, I went from hotels. I left that chain and went into the private club industry, and it's it's interesting in the private club industry. Why um, private clubs? What, what was the the pivot? Well, there? I was uh, I was working for the Flatley chain at that time. Okay, and uh, again, still a young guy, and I got my first taste of uh, politics. Oh. And uh, the, <laughs> within the within the corporation, there was a term back then called caballing, and yeah, and you would essentially you would have cohorts within the corporate offices and the executive offices of people sort of jockeying for the next mm-hmm. position. And anyway, I got my I ended up in Siberia, which at that time was uh, it was the the, uh, the Warwick uh, Sheridan in Warwick, <laughs> Rhode Island, oh, at the airport. Uh, so I'm like, okay, you know what? <laughs> All right, this isn't going to work. So I had a chance. I wanted, I wanted to come back to Boston. Yep. So I, um, I, uh, I heard about a private club that was looking, and I applied. And and you know, it's interesting. Keep in mind that. I was working in hotels, so I had all the SOPs, I had all the systems, I had everything that I needed. Yeah. And when I brought it to the to the club, I was doing things that I did five years ago. Yeah. I thought I fell out of the sky. Wait, so really dive into the value, the impact of going through the motions to get this education, working for these big corporations, uh, working for these establishments that are just so together. Um put together right like a business oh like where like just go through the value of, of taking the time to do that so you can become a person of value so when you do go to a smaller organization you can be just packed full of knowledge and recommendations and ways to improve that business like why was that that's so powerful great awesome question so i'll give you a good example yeah. when i was with weston one of the things that i had an opportunity to do in my training was to be a food and beverage controller. So now you're working with the controller and assistant controllers and you have a little desk and you're doing what today would be called revenue management before revenue management was really popular okay. that the airline industry brought in. So you would, um, you'd, you would do menu mix. Now when you do menu mix, you're watching your abstracts. You're watching what's selling and what's not selling. And it was interesting how you could take your uh, your lower food cost items that are selling, increase them by 25, 25 cents, decrease the others that are not selling. So, yep. you, so you're not doing a, 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 a sticker shock to your, yeah, to your yeah. consumer, right? Yep. And the compounding effect it's, at the end of a week, a month, a year, oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe how much money this is making. <laughs> yeah. so, so when you have that, knowledge or that skill set, I can walk into any restaurant right mm. now and I can look at their menu and I could tweak a half a dozen things that is going to make 10,000 or more mm-hmm. at the end of the year for them. Yeah. And, and, and that's th- that knowledge. I mean, because you know, the restaurant industry, you, there's so many variables. Yeah. There's what's called people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's what's called perishable product. Yep. And when you have all that going on, you need to have a skill set that's going to cover those mistakes because there's a lot of mistakes that go on in that. So when you when you have that, you know, you, you know, even like like budgeting, you know, I learned that, you know, when you do your quarterly budget for the year, you take incremental percentages off of the first three quarters and you backload the last quarter 
so that when the stuff hits the fan <laughs> halfway through the year, you know you've got a contingency yep, built in there. Yep. So it, it's just stuff like that, Eric. You just learn how to um, protect the the revenues and how to control your expenses. And I think you know. I mean, now you've got. The, I mean, there's more software that helps with that mm. and, and everything else. But uh, but back then, I mean, even today, I mean, I'll look at a P and L statement. I have to have a pencil in my hand. I've got to know what's in between those numbers. Yeah, I I, I still dissect those. I, I you know because you know just about every hospitality organization that I've that I've consulted with, they all share the same problems, but very rarely do they share the same solutions. I I, I hope I'm not being ambiguous with that, but it's it's very dive into what you mean by that. Really, what do you, what do you mean by that? Different solutions, like. You you have different cultures and you have different um, mindsets. I'm going to mm-hmm. go with mindsets yeah. because you know, for example, like if I'm working with a restaurateur, and you know, I always think of, I always go back to um, Bar Rescue with Taffer, and he had this club where, in Chicago where these guys had a champagne bar, and he went in to show them how to make money, and one of the things he changed was he said, "You have to stop buying drinks for women." <laughs> I don't know if you remember this episode, but, but you know they they said, "Well, we opened it so we could meet girls." It's like they said, "Well, you, that's not that's not business." And what happened? He left three months later. They, they changed it right back. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you know, I have to know where the restaurant owner is coming from, and because here's here's the reality of it. You know what? I've eaten in some of the finest restaurants in the world. I know exactly how my restaurant's going to look. Mm-hmm. I know how that service is going to be. I know what kind of food I'm going to have. I have it exactly what it is in my mind. And they put that within a 20-mile radius, and no one can relate to it. <laughs> <laughs> no one gets it. The only person that gets it is that restaurant yeah. owner, and they wonder why they're not successful. So rather, you know, the day that a coach gives you advice is the day – you should get a new coach. Yeah. You know, because, <laughs> because I need to know what's in your head because that's where you're going to be. Ex- I, again, you could tell me how to do something and I could tell you how to do something, but we don't have experience with it, Eric. Mm-hmm. So how, how, how can we do that? First seek to understand, then seek to be understood is the words that are coming into my mind right now. Uh, and man, uh, this is, sorry, already, I know we're all over the place. No, sorry it's great. That. It's all great content. And, uh, I'm trying to think. We, we left off. You were working in hotels. Uh, you started making a pivot towards uh, the private club, and uh, you're still um, working with clubs. Uh, I don't know where you want to go next. I mean, you well, also let, were a professor. Let me tell like, you how consulting came yeah. out of that. Because when I when I went to the club, and there was a um, uh, Blake and Moulton leadership mm. theory. Back in the, I think it was the 60s, they were hired by the oil industry. And a lot of the leadership models are based on it. And they had four quadrants. You were a team leader, you were impoverished, or you were uh, autocratic. And the fourth category, you ready for this, was called country clubs. (laughs) Why the hell would you call (laughs) a leadership category country clubs? Because... All those four quadrants were based on you were either people-driven or you were Mm profit-driven. And all the leadership models that came afterwards sort of came out of this basic grid. And country clubs 
you know, I mean, I'm sure you saw the documentary Caddyshack, right? Uh, that tells you exactly, <laughs> <laughs> tells you exactly how clubs uh, I've are. I've seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a documentary. <laughs> the, 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 you know, you have this sort of cocoon economy because <laughs> your members are charged dues yeah. to run the club. So guess what? We need more money. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. So that goes on through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and then we hit the new economy, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And all that has changed, but yet clubs haven't. Mm. And, and, and cultures do not change yep. overnight. So many clubs are still wrestling with trying to get out of that existing mindset because they've run their systems, their processes, and their, everything based upon that, that way of, run, of like, operating. So when I left the hotels and I went into clubs, uh, clubs, I would say, are very um, strategic. You think on your feet. You make changes. And hotels are very structured. You had guardrails. You did your SOPs. Mm-hmm. You followed the systems. No must, no fuss. Um, so when I got into clubs and I started to implement those systems, and, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be cocky when I say I felt, they thought I fell out of the sky, they were, it, that wasn't done because everything was done off the back of a cocktail napkin. Yeah. You know, and it really wasn't, it wasn't structured at all. So when I got into that world and I started to talk with other club managers, other club managers started to approach me and say, hey, will you come to my club and do my <laughs> training? Will yeah. you come to my club and look at my, Books you know, whatever, analysis? Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, okay, yeah. sure. But, well, you know, it went from a couple hundred dollars to now I've been doing it for for 15 years, yeah. and I've, I've probably consulted to over 25, 30 clubs here in New England, and I do everything from uh, placing managers to uh, operational analysis to marketing, mm-hmm. you know, marketing for clubs. So, you know, it and again, it goes right back to the beginning of our conversation. I've experienced all that. I've, I've had that experience of just doing, you, you call it doing the work. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, you don't realize it, you know, starting from, you know, working in fast food industries as a, as a teenager and growing up and then moving into bars, you know, you think you're just having fun. You don't realize this, but you're developing those skill sets. Mm. And that is so key now because another thing of being in the right place at the right time is now we're in the nineties and we're coming into two thousands and the hospitality industry had a little, um, um, the pipeline kind of got depleted. Everyone, everyone started to say, started to go to college and said, you know what? I'm not going to work 60 hours a week and 80 <laughs> hours in a restaurant. I'm going into finance and technology. And now what happened? Now those people in finance and technology <laughs> are trying to get jobs in hospitality. Yeah. I mean, hospitality is going to live forever. Restaurants, if you think about it, Eric, I mean, you kind of, and you remember in class, I would always reference Maslow's Pyramid. Oh, yeah. You know what? Restaurants, sense of belonging. What's huge right now? Community tables, farmers tables. Yep. You go into Reraj. You go Oh, anywhere. man, don't even get me started on that, uh, right, that um, conversation. But, that, <laughs> but, dude, that's restaurants are it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go there now and you belong. Yeah. I mean, you belong. So what David's talking about is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And at the bottom of that is just uh, the sense of a food and shelter, I think, is what is at the very bottom. You food and shelter. Then above that, it's security. And then above that, 
are the higher you start getting to the higher needs but in today's society where everything's so accessible food shelter like we have pretty cush lifestyle compared to our you know our uh, ancestors <laughs> and um, when all those most basic needs are being met so easily you start searching the the higher needs which are like belonging uh having friends being a part of society being loved uh personal growth learning and then self-actualization which is at the top where you like you have met like you've discovered your purpose of living um but restaurants really do provide that sense of belonging of being someplace where people know you and love you so like now that everything's so easy like people are searching for that those higher needs and restaurants are mm-hmm. just that place to go um just to kind of come full circle um, no, that's. It. I mean, we've we've lost our tribes. Mm. You know, we don't have, um, you know, uh, the groups anymore. We're all we're, we're so, you know, we have these digital communities with with virtual yep. friends. Yep. And you know what? You know, I mean, I don't want to know the Facebook you. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I want to know the real you, and the real you is, you know, belling up to a bar. Yeah. The real you is sitting in a restaurant like we are right now yeah. and, and shooting the shit. And just even I mean, today, like, yeah. That restaurants give you that environment. But if you look at, like, the really good restaurants that are crushing it, they they tap into these higher needs even further because they know the power of learning. And they're not just serving their guests anymore. They're educating their guests. Oh, yeah. And they're like, check out this, this dish that originated from here with these ingredients. And, like, this pig was slaughtered at this farm that's down the street. And there's a story and education behind every meal. And, like, that's a big part of that culture too in that experience too is that educating which is that a little level a level above that belonging so that personal growth that knowledge expansion or that knowledge expansion so uh you know, it's some, so powerful somebody is going to figure this out because you know, <laughs> Garrett no, harker figured it out he talked about it on no, the show and he was, no, but, <laughs> i mean you you look at you look at the coffee house yeah. you look at the uh uh you know you, you know the you know the uh, the Starbucks, or even you know, in Portsmouth or Portland. Yeah. I mean, you can hang out all day there because you know what? I mean, you know, you're sitting on the other side of the room, but I'm sitting. Mm. I'm sitting in, in in a community. I'm sitting in a real community of people. And the restaurant, the restaurateur who figures this out, because this is how the communication goes. The communication goes from restaurant to consumer, mm-hmm. right? And then it goes to consumer to restaurant. But it's the first person that gets the consumer communicating with consumer and i'm not talking likes i'm not talking <laughs> reviews i'm talking rapport hey, trust you know what uh you know it's it's kind of like um maya nailed it a mm-hmm. little bit neighborhood mm. you know you are the neighborhood destination and when you do that and and all of a sudden that tribe forms within your restaurant mm-hmm you got it. It's unstoppable. You, it's unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Man? We, we are already a half hour into the sucker. You have until 11 o'clock. We've got a half hour left. I want this to be the best half hour of our lives. What do you want to talk about? <sighs> well, okay, if it's going to be the best half hour of our lives, let's share it with everybody else. Okay? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Um, because, you know, you've been doing this. How long have you been doing this podcast now? Uh man, uh, conception four years, recording three and a half. How many? Approximately how many episodes? This is three hundred and fifty. Oh my! Yeah, oh my God, I'm, <laughs> giving, I'm giving you a virtual <laughs> hug right now. Um, you know, I've I've listened 
to most all of your podcasts. And every time I do, Eric, it's just, you know, usually I'm driving, so I'm staring with my <laughs> knees, and I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell did he just say? That's genius. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah, and it is, you've got to do this. You've got to take oh, man. the best of. I don't care if you put it in a freaking book. I don't care how you do it. But you've got – there are nuggets in every single one. You, you, you have – you get a listener that has, has experience because I've got hospitality experience. I've been there. I've done it, just about all of it. And I hear people talk on your podcast and it, I take it to work that Day, mm. I mean, I use it that day. That's crazy. And I'm, t- I'll, I'll get to work sometimes, and I've got one, two, three, four from listening to your podcast, and I'll get to work. Hey, hey, guys, what do you think of blah 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 blah? blah. <laughs> so, wouldn't it be great if you could take sort of the content that you have in some of these podcasts and put it together? So, and I know you're doing some things now with. Um, access to education, and and that's so fantastic mm. because so many people are going to benefit from that, including myself. Yeah. But um, you know, if if you could uh, categorize it in a way, and I, and I was thinking, you know, not not to do a uh, a flash mob, but to do a flash mob <laughs> where <laughs> where we just pick a restaurant and we go there and we have a topic every month of whether it's you know. I can't find help. Yeah, you know, no, help I me, help me, help me. It's on the horizon. You I don't want to get into too much you know, detail, but I, it's on the horizon. But I, that I, would <laughs> be that would be so cool because you know just to have, I don't know, ten, fifteen people that. Oh man, it would be great. And just, and just just let's talk about it because in one of the things that become evident to you as you mature and as you get older is. You know, you're very independent growing up, right? And you're like, you know what? I don't need help. I got this. And then all of a sudden you start talking to other people and you tell them your thoughts. You tell them your ideas and it blossoms. And it blossoms. It yeah. just, I mean, you you know, you, you can just, you, you get so much more <laughs> for yourself by sharing, yeah. well, I'm not telling you. Anything. Well, no, you no, know, like, I, you know but just stuff. to kind of compound off of what you're sharing, to build off of what you said, like, in a lot of ways, that's what you were for me when I was first starting this podcast. Because, um, well, first of all, like, I discovered podcasts because of you. Because you said go out there and find these. I started listening to podcasts. I uh, spent about a year, six months listening to podcasts. I was working at a winery as the assistant winemaker in, in this cellar by myself all day, Experience. just ex- consuming podcast after podcast, learning all these things. And like you were the, they say you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And I learned that listening to podcasts. So I'm like, I got to spend more time with David Mazur. Cause like, he's just <laughs> influencing me. He's bringing all this great stuff to my attention. And, that's when I started working. Uh, you were working with you yeah. at one of these, these yeah. clubs. Uh, I interned there purposely because I wanted to be able to chew on your ear at least like once a, a day or a week at least. Yeah, you did. You were a super I was pain, a pain in the ass. ass. I was a huge pain in the ass. But you have to be a pain in the ass <laughs> to really like to learn and to be curious and to ask questions and the conversations you would have in your office when you were supposed to be doing work. <laughs> you know, but you know, but but you know what. And, and Eric, I have to say, you've got that vibration about you. You know, you, you know, and like I can vibe with your tribe because, you know, like some people, you know, you're hungry 
for that. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge what you just said because I, you're the kind of person, I don't think you sort of follow your passion. I think you follow your curiosity. I think there had to be a part of you that said, huh, what if with podcasting? Yeah. You know, and now look, and look, and look what happened because, you know, before you did it, I was listening to other restaurant podcasts and it was, you know, it's kind of flat, mm. you know, and it wasn't, a, a t- I didn't get the takeaways that I get with you. And what happened is through these past couple of years, you've developed this sort of sixth sense of asking questions. <laughs> no, to, to provoke thinking and conversation in people that other podcasters can't, can't do. So thank you. Well, I appreciate you. You're doing great things for my confidence right now, but I want to bring the conversation uh, back to you and what you did for me to build up. Like what you were saying was uh, that you have to find that person to find that outlet to be able to talk about what you want to do to get your thoughts out. And you were that for me. So like just the power before I'm pretty sure that's what you're saying. Maybe I heard you wrong, but like just finding that that, the people to talk and to, to share your thoughts with and that's just so powerful to, to to vision, but not vision inside yourself, but to get that vision out, to speak it, to really talk about what you want to do. And and you, I mean, there's so much we can talk about, about what you did for me, even with mentoring and oh, uh, giving. One of the biggest lessons I've learned from talking to all these incredible people is that it's not about what you get. It's about what you give and what you give determines what you get. And you were always so generous with me, giving me your time giving me resources to build out the website. Like you were the reason I had that second update on my website. I still haven't forgotten this stuff. Like, and you were always so willing to give me knowledge, give me time to give me feedback and to help me make my dreams come true. I think that's a big reason why you've gotten to where you are, where you are, you know, this professor where people know and respect you. Like, do you want to just bounce back off what I just said? Well, you know, I mean, you, you you get um, a, a lot a lot of that uh, a, a lot of that credit because um, <laughs> no. no I mean you know I mean you know you would you would you would come in and you would, we we would ask questions and we, we would talk about those things but you know it wasn't where you would take no for an answer you know you were very persistent um, and you you would always uh, you would push the envelope but I would say one of the things that make you successful is you're vulnerable. You know, and it's like, you know, you, you, you're kind of fearless. You know, it's, you're not, like, you're sitting there right now. You're not even thinking. You don't even have a speck of, gee, I hope I don't say the wrong thing. It's not even in, <laughs> you, you, you can't even come up with that. So, and that's But what, I say it all the time. <laughs> no, but, but that kind of vulnerability is cool <laughs> because you, you can put yourself out there. And that's where that growth comes from mm. you know li- life isn't you know was it Kirk or God he said you know li- life isn't uh, a problem to solve it's a reality to experience you know and and you do that I mean you kind of put yourself out there in, in your other podcast too and when you do that like right now I can be vulnerable you know and nothing's got it you know you have this way of disarming people and and it works yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a, it just works and i think goofy and effect. i think in our conversations that we always had you you've always been like that and you know i mean you know you sit in a classroom as a professor and you you look around the room and you've got you know some people that dozing off and then there's people like you that are engaged 
and and you're kind of you're, you're getting it mm-hmm. and you know you know my um you know i always talk to you know hospitality professionals coming up and and i and i tell them because right now it's just you know i talk to people all the time and they say well you know i'm not going to take the job if they don't pay me 70 grand I'm like dude you don't have jack you know why are they going to pay you seventy grand? And yeah, and and that that also happens at work. Yeah, right? like I'll have people come in to me and they'll say, you know, I should be making eighty thousand dollars a year. And I'll mm. say, you know what? And 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 Eric, you you know me, and you know this. I'm very open with people, and I always say to them, you know what? I'll tell you what. This is cool. I want you, and I'm serious now. Go out and interview for a job, and I want you to get you come back. And you get an offer for eighty grand. I want you to validate your worth in the marketplace. You go get a job for eighty grand. Come back and see me, and we'll talk. Okay, how's that go? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's just you know, there's what happens is the money becomes the motivation, and that that was really cool about you, especially with your podcasting. Money was never your motivation. Mm. And I tell a lot of people coming up, don't let money be your motivation. The money will come. Mm. You get the skills. Dude, you you are you are a yeah. person of value. I think it was Marcus, Chef Marcus. I can't think of his last name right now, but he said, "Never take a job for the money, but take it for what you're going to learn." Well, think about yeah. it. Like you know, if, if you're working for, you know, um, uh, in a restaurant with 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 they've got game. Yeah, you know, all the chefs are just like rock stars. Yeah, dude. I, I when I was when I was with Weston, this is before you know labor laws where they are today. David, you want to learn, learn the front desk? Yeah, good. Come in on your day off. Don't punch in. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. But I mean, that's the kind of just the. I think I was talking to Kate Williams the other day, and she said there's either there's two type of people that open restaurants. There's people who have all the skills but don't have any money because they spent their life working in restaurants, and there's people that have all the money. Uh, but they don't have any of the skills because they don't. They've never worked in a restaurant. And that's why they have the money. Uh, yeah, but both of them are crazy. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the 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 come full circle on that. The whole idea is if 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 you focus on becoming a person of value and you take work for what you're going to learn and the people you're going to connect with, there's always somebody out there with a ton of money who wants to open a restaurant and doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And you don't need to necessarily have your own money to do it. But if you have the skills, the knowledge, because you took jobs to learn new things and you're living intentionally there and you, you're building a network and you're building a name for yourself, there's going to be some schmuck out there that's going to fork over what, Ever it takes to be a part of what you're going to create, and that's when you go to restaurateurcoach.com. <laughs> We're going to take a commercial break a right plug. now. Uh. <laughs> no, you know, and, but you know, and that's uh, I tell you, that's why you know I'm successful at consulting because mm-hmm. is that they they, is, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah, they know what they think they know, and that can be a very expensive education. So as a consultant, as a restaurant consultant, um, that what I said, is that accurate as far oh, yeah. as... Okay. Yeah, and please don't change that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, we're, we we got to start thinking about getting to the speed round, but b- okay. before we do, drop three bombs of knowledge on us. Like things you know to be true in your years, your over 25 years of experience, of coaching, consulting, leading, teaching... Drop some bombs of knowledge, some nuggets, some gold. Hit us. Um, 
God, I think I've given you at least three. Already. You can summarize if you want. <laughs> no, you know, actually, I'll 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 take from my um, from my coaching practice because I think this is applicable to uh, a, sort of a, 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 across the uh, across the board in hospitality. You know, the three areas that I really focus on when when I'm uh, coaching a, a restaurant tour or, or someone uh, that, uh, that's uh, in uh, needs a business coach is uh, one's presence. And what I mean by presence is showing up. And think about it. You know, how do we, you know, whether we walk into a room or whether we sit down at a, at a meeting or we're just being, you know, how do we come across? And you don't, you, you, you got to be very careful with that because, you know, we all have these micro triggers from mm-hmm. growing up our whole lives. And, you know, judgment is flying everywhere yeah. all the time. So you've got to be, you've really got to pay attention to that presence you have in the room. Mm. And I'm not talking necessarily about gravitas and I'm not talking about those people that have credibility in their voice and no matter what they say, it sounds great. I'm talking about um, being uh, sort of, you know, as I said with you, you know, disarming and trusting and being able to, to be with people. And the, and, and the restaurant business is a relationship mm. business. And that's the other part. It's, it's prioritizing relationship, relationships. You're going to work with people you don't like, you know, you, and, <laughs> you know, but you've got to, you've got to be able to do that. I mean, yeah. you're going you're to have customers you don't like. And just that sense of awareness to know what energy, what your body language is saying about what you think about that. But I mean, being aware of that, just, I don't know, that, that, that situational awareness of what you're saying without using your words is kind of like what I'm hearing from you. Or well, that, maybe that well, I swung you know, and, and what you're doing is you're touching upon the last part, which is communication. Yeah. There's, there's written, there's verbal, and then there's, 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 there's the body, yeah. there's the eyes. Like, I, I suck at poker, you know, because <laughs> you can, you can look at me and go, you've got a pair of sevens. Yeah. Thing, How do you know? Cause it's in my eyes. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I'm with somebody and, um, they're, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it, but you know, just not a nice person. Okay, you can see it on my face. Yeah, you know, and I, 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 can't. I love that though. I mean, I'm, I'm the same exact way, but I also, I, I've learned that that's what I am. And <laughs> but you've got to be aware of that. Yeah, I mean, and you, and I'm not saying you're going to fake it or or anything else, but you, you've got to be cognizant of that. Yeah, because what happens is it affects your ability to do what you need to do yeah. in in your life and in your work and everything else. You know, it's um, <laughs> you know it it and, and you said you know it's it's like like energy. You know, it's like this. Um, I'm wearing a uh, a, a Baba Golf bracelet, and you know I suck at golf, right? <laughs> I didn't know but, that. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> back in the um, you know '80s, they used to have these copper bracelets yeah, that magnets. golfers would wear that would make them calm and make them feel better. And you know, and so finally, because no one wears those because they look like bell bottoms, yeah. You know, I mean, you just wear, but now there's like these these copper beads, yeah. And I wear it all the time because it it. Gives me that intention. Yeah, that stuff that we're talking. It's a reminder. About. I'm, you know, I put this on. I'm calm. Yeah, I'm confident. I'm relaxed. Mm-hmm. And you know, is that true? Well, you know what? To me, it's true. So our, you know, our beliefs become our 
our actions. Yeah. You know, and our, our actions are, are who we are. Mm-hmm. So th- those are the, the three nuggets, you know, presence, communication, and relation relationships. Beautiful. I love it. This is great. And uh, one last thing before we go to the speed round, tell me about a time you fell on your ass, a time you failed. Uh, take us through that failure. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't focus a lot on the failures. I, I consider them successes that, Mm -hmm. that haven't quite succeeded yet. (laughs) Um, But I'd say, I'd say probably the best one I'd have was, was, was actually when I was with Western Hotel Copley and I was a catering manager and I had, um, uh, Ted Kennedy's 25 year celebration as a Senator. So they had, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they had all these celebrities, all these politicians in there. And let me tell you something. (laughs) When you put a microphone in front of a room full of politicians, I'll just make the story short. Here. <laughs> okay. We started dinner at 8 o'clock. By 2 in the morning, because it was a union hotel, the wait staff walked out. I had 400 people in the room. <laughs> I had people sleeping on on tablecloths, on glass racks. Oh, man. And I had just, you know, I had the food runners with me. And they said, okay, let's serve dessert. It was a nightmare. It oh, was, man. It was a freaking disaster. What was the, the big failure in this? Um, well, according to the GM who called me <laughs> in his office the next morning, it was, uh, you should have planned, David. You should have planned better. Yeah. You, you should have controlled your client better. I, and, and, and I respectfully said, really? I'm going to control a room full of politicians. <laughs> yeah. My client can't control them. How am I going to control my client? Oh, man. So, but it was just, you know, and, and that's why, you know, People say to me, David, just, you know, don't worry. It's not life or death. Well, maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> you, have, you, know, you have those experiences yeah. in hospitality where, oh, my God, a busload just show up. They're here for their wedding. What wedding? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I could go on. Oh, man, that's yeah. good. All right, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, so every time I read this, I just get blown away. And if you're interested in learning how you can get more new customers and get a competitive edge over your competition, you need to listen to this. Matt, a restaurant owner in Waconia, Minnesota, spent $400 in Facebook ads pushing a special offer. And within two weeks, 518 offers were redeemed with groups of two to four people. Over 1,000 customers in his doors in two weeks, only spending Get this, $400, and making a little over $6,000 in sales. Okay, not bad, right? About 30 days later, he ran another promotion only to those people who came in for the previous offer that resulted in $30,000 in additional sales using zero marketing expenses. Another owner ran the same exact Facebook offer, got about 900 brand new customers, in 60 days, then ran the same follow-up promotion only to those new customers that resulted in $13,250 in sales, zero marketing expenses. Guys, if you want to learn how to run these promotions, which I don't know why you wouldn't want to learn how to do this, go to DoubleLoyalCustomer.com right now. One more time, DoubleLoyalCustomer.com. 
As you know, I don't promote or recommend any products or services my guests haven't first recommended or that I haven't used myself. Well, when I needed a new logo for Restaurant Unstoppable, I chose Design Crowd. I got to admit, it was a great experience too. Here's what I did. I visited designcrowd.com where I posted a brief description of what I was looking for in my logo. Design Crowd then invited over 550,000 designers to get to work on my project. A few hours after After submitting my project, I began to receive a flood of designs from around the world, about 90 designs to choose from altogether. All it took was a small investment of $400. Not only was the experience inexpensive and easy, the designers were willing and ready to make the slightest adjustments at my request. To get up to $100 off your first project, head over to designcrowd.com slash unstoppable or enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout. All right, we're back. And the first question I had for you is, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? <laughs> um, I don't believe my own bullshit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, we're running out of time, but I want you to dive into that a little deeper. No, just, just don't believe what you think, you know, because, yeah. you know um, – you know the best I, best advice I could give anyone is don't take advice. Mm. You know because you have you've got to experience it. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I hate to like beat this horse, yeah. but you know um, so don't, if, don't buy your own bullshit. So if you're listening yeah. to this podcast, anything and everything you've ever learned in 350 episodes, toss it out. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but you know what? What, what? what are the what are the three keys of success? Trust your gut. No. Or wait, you told me earlier. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Memory, it, not it, a strong it, point. Admit nothing, steal everything, call it your <laughs> oh. own. Look what it did for Steve Jobs. Right? <laughs> he, he didn't come up with all that stuff on the iPhone. It's true. But, what is your, your biggest weakness? Uh, <laughs> taking advice from the wrong people. Oh, yeah. yeah. I see how that can get you in oh, trouble. Uh, what's one piece of, of advice you have for being a leader or leading others? Um, I don't know. I I believe in organizational democracy. You know what? As a as a as a GM, I've got a job to do. As a waiter, you've got a job to do. I'm going to do everything I can to help you do your job, and I'm assuming you're going to do everything you can to help me do my job. Organizational democracy. I've yeah. never heard that expression before. Is that kind of like service leadership? Or? No, I, I think it's kind of like my own sort of interpret. Again, I. You know, we don't we don't see, we don't see the world as it is, Eric. We see the world as we are, yep. and that's how I see the world. Beautiful. Uh, what's one question or thing you look for in somebody when you're interviewing, or a question you ask? You know, that's 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 a great question, and I've 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 changed that over the years because um, the um, you know before I could say, hey, look, I'm looking for X, Y, Z. And if you're not X, Y, Z, you're not hired. Mm-hmm. I've totally thrown that out the window because um, now it's, you know, you get a square peg, you're trying to put them in a square hole, change the hole, dude. Yeah. You know, when I interview people now, it's like, tell me about you. What do you dig, man? What do you what do? You do? Mm. What what floats your boat? And you know, well, I, uh, I like to blog. Great. You're my content writer. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can you can be all yeah. these other jobs, but I'm gonna have I'm gonna pay you an extra buck an hour. Yeah. So you can do my content. Oh, I'm I like I'm into video. Oh, good. Guess what? I'm gonna pay you an extra buck an hour. And you're gonna do my video on my website. Yeah. So you know I you know what is it? Because if I can get excited about what they're excited about, mm-hmm. there's go, you know you're you're gonna get that much more 
um, sustainability yeah. in the relationship yeah. and more contribution. Now they're coming to work because keep in mind, people don't wake up every day and say, I can't wait to go to work and be a lousy employee today. Yeah. They don't. You know, and the reason they are lousy employees is because of usually management. Mm-hmm. You didn't establish, communicate, or reinforce what was important and what was expected. Yeah. And, and yeah, anyway, you, you know, it that. comes yeah. up all the time on the show. It's just, well, first, you knowing your lane, knowing your strengths, knowing what you love, staying in your lane. And putting people in the, or like um, Jim Collins calls it, getting people on your bus and putting them in the right seat. Um, you can have great people, but if they're not in the right seat, they're not going to do anything for you. Mm-hmm. And not only what is that person doing for you and your organization by putting them in the right seat, but what is it doing for them? Like to be able to come to work and to actually do what they love and have that come out of left field. They weren't expecting to be your, your content mm-hmm. writer and your videographer or whatever, but now they get to do what they love and build on their skill. It's a win-win situation. Change the whole, yep. not the peg. Absolutely. I love it. And uh, crap, where were we? Uh, what's the current challenge you have right now? Um, you know, trying to trying to get the next thing. You okay. know, trying to find the next thing because, um, you know, it's, it's out there. Yeah. You know, and uh, my job is always to be on the cutting edge of that stuff because uh, my, my, you know, uh, my clients and my organizations and, and people I work for, uh, they, they, they expect that from me. You know, not to come in and say, okay, here's, here's the cookie cutter, cut, cut the cookie, but it's, hey, you know, it's kind of like uh, ideas, like you and I are talking. You know, we may I might not take it verbatim, but I'm going to take my version of yeah. that, and I'm going to make I'm going to try to make it better. But do you do you think you're ever going to find the thing? Honestly, I hope not. <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> but but I'm re- <laughs> I'm never going to stop fighting. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's one characteristic of uh, I think successful people is that they accept that it's never done. There's always the next thing. It's, you never find successful people sit very few rarely sitting fat dumb and happy like it's always the next thing yeah. it's always like okay i got that but there's something about them that they accept that it's it's never ending constant gentle pressure as danny meyer would say of working towards something else the next thing yeah and and you know and and you know and Danny Maya, you know, he said it. I mean, consistency, you know, keep moving that salt shaker back to the center yep. of the table, you know. <laughs> but, but you know, and, and I think, you know, someone like him in, in, in like the local successful restaurateurs, yep. they they don't, I mean, come on, look at look at Jay McSherry. I mean, come on, wow, the guy just like, <laughs> how'd you do that? How oh, do you man. come up with that? And he well, does, it didn't happen overnight. Well, he does what you do. Yeah. You know, you do, you do it with your podcast. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of like a Van Gogh. You create a piece and you go, oh, that's crap. You know, I, 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 we can do better than this. And that's what it's about. Awesome. Uh, so what's one book we must read that will make us a better person or a restaurant operator? Uh, I, I don't know if it's one book, Eric, but it's, and I don't, I don't know if you remember because it was a couple of years ago in class, but I always, like, I take the textbook and I crumble up the pages and I put dog ears in it and, like, every Every like for example, there's no one book like okay, how to run a successful restaurant. You know why that <laughs> books every because everyone has their own interpretation. Yeah. I choose books based upon my station in life, and I read them because I'm interested in that content and the context behind the content. But I write in the margin. I argue with my books. I'm like <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. It's really this, 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 and you know those. You know, find those books that 
that challenge you and make you think? I mean, again, it's kind of it's kind of a station in life. I mean, the best book I, I ever read, I would say, is The Art of Thinking by Ernest Dimnett. It was written in the 30s. But mm-hmm. where was I? I was, you know, on my way to Chicago, on my way to California. I stopped in Chicago. You know, I was on to find myself. Yeah. I stopped in Chicago and, you know, I was staying in like a YMCA and I was in a, I was, it was Thanksgiving and I was eating a cheeseburger in a diner by myself. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> and I find this book in a library and I read it and, you know, it was, it was, a, it was just at a time in my life where I was just very open and I was kind of like a wild spirit and I wanted to, you know, kind of find that adventure that I was going through and that book really impacted me, you know, and, you know, it's, it's like music. You know, I listen to music now from the 80s. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like that song, you know, because it's like meaningless now, but it meant so much to me back then. Mm. So I would say pick those books that really impact your thinking and give you some meaning like now i mean i just i just uh yeah, well, i i just gave you i am keese by tom asak yeah, and like uh just out of my reach hold and it he up to um you know and, and the, the, his book his books res- he wrote uh, business of belief which yeah. is a good book his books resonate with me because i think he's in a midlife crisis where i am <laughs> yeah. right now so, so so i could like kind of get what he's going through as he writes and so I'd, I'd say those books are something that you can engage with and, and question them and, and argue with them and debate them and, and, and use that information to better your lot in life. Yeah. It's kind of like what I do with your podcast. You know, if I'm driving and I'm writing stuff down, I'll get to work and I'll say, hey, guys, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Yeah. You but know? no, I agree with you 100%. Like if you, if you are continuously influencing yourself with these thoughts of other people over time, you're going to see trends and patterns of things that resonate with you more and they'll help you find your path. And like, you're not going to get all the answers in one book, but you need to like have that, that constant influence of just thoughts and that help you create your own thoughts. And you, then you start tying thoughts from different books together and you start creating your own, you know, direction of like what you know to be true. And it's su- super powerful. And it, and it comes back to that engagement mm. because you're, you're, <laughs> we're three minutes over by the way. <laughs> no, are you good? I just want to respect your time. Uh, so what's one piece of technology that you're seeing restaurant owners use that you think really makes an impact on operations, communication, profitability, um, I mean, they're they're out they're out there now, and I'd say the platform that's probably most successful is apps. Yeah, you know, I I just I just think that's what's one app that you're using that's really impacted your life. Um, well, I mean, I'm using in industry apps right now, and, yeah. and there's not really really one that um you know that 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 comes to mind. But I think you know the technology is getting there. Mm-hmm. And in five years, you know, that's like that next thing, Eric, you know, and I'm going right back to that end user to end user community connection mm-hmm. within your, um, within your, say your restaurant. Mm-hmm. If you can find that platform that gives them that community, because you're much more than a place to eat, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, if you can engage your customers through tech, it's got to be through technology because that's where that's where we're, that's yeah. where we live now. And um, you know, and, 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 and like I said, it's beyond reviews, it's beyond likes. But if you can engage your uh, customers with each other, and you can build an environment 
around that within you. And, and I'm not saying, you know, blah, ha, ha to make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, genuinely, authentically create a community yeah. that they can, that they can feel that sense of belonging in. Man, I wonder if there's a social platform that allows restaurants to build their own like profile, their own account. Well, right. I'll tell you right now, I mean, there's Facebook, probably 10 I mean, people listening that, to this right now <laughs> that are going to create this in the next six yeah. months because that's where it's at. But I mean, that's what Facebook, I mean, Facebook does that. It's just, but it's not niche. But I think that the way of the future, as far as like, like restaurants, for example, you had chains and franchises come in, they owned it all. But now what you're seeing is that it's the chains and franchises are starting to fragment and people are going back to the smaller locally owned Restaurants, but the same thing's going to happen with technology. Like you're going to have your Facebooks of the world, your McDonald's, but now you're seeing social platforms arise where they're super niche social platforms. No, it's it's going to be some sort of a, a personal assistant. Yeah, I mean that's where we're going, and that personal assistant is going to be invo- engaged within that in that community. I mean, Facebook is so seven seconds ago. Yeah, we're done, we're done with, that. <laughs> uh, with all the knowledge you have now, David Mazur, if you could go back in time and ask yourself or give yourself, I'm sorry, one piece of business advice, what would it be? Learn podcasting a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm telling you, I've, I've watched you take this from the incubator. It's still and, an incubator. And, it's and still now growing. It's this we're just we're just getting started. Beautiful, <laughs> terrific thing, and I'm envious. I just I, I'm I'm tipping my hat to you because, and you and I have had this conversation. I've I've watched you and through our, our our relationship. How many times have I said, Eric? Show me, show me. How do you do that? How do you do that? Because, uh, you know, but it takes time. I mean, you have to put in the you have to put in the miles <laughs> to, to get it done right. But I, um, you know. I'm 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 a I'm very much a, a techie. You know, I'm not a guy that I, I love technology, and um, I think you know podcasting, vodcasting. I mean, you're kind of breaking into that with the educational side of it, and that's where it's at. Mm. I mean, YouTube has turned into one of the best universities in oh, the yeah. country. Yeah. You can learn anything there. So if you're specialized in what you do, and I'm having challenges with my um, my, my profit margins, I'm having challenges with my uh, labor pool, I'm having challenges with uh, training. You know what? I go to Restaurant Unstoppable, I click on that, I pay a couple dollars, and... It's free. It's free? <laughs> You're awesome, man. Keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. You know what? The cool thing about it, you're really helping a lot of people, and there's people struggling out there. Thank you. And I don't think you realize the value that you give it's, to the community. You really ask. Awesome. You know, it's those emails of those people who it has helped, and they do take the time to reach out to me and say thank you. That yeah. honestly, if it's I cool. didn't get those emails, this podcast probably wouldn't be here today. And that's what drives you, knowing that your work is impacting other people. And I think that's the same thing that applies to a restaurant industry, knowing that you're doing something that's making somebody else happy. Like you're you're getting them that break from their day. Like you're providing value in some way. When you know that your work is paying off, like it's it's enough to keep you going. Well, but, and you know how you know how feedback works. Yeah. If you're getting that kind of feedback from a certain percentage, there's a lot more that are benefiting from it that aren't saying anything. Well, so it's a good thought to have. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, so was there any question I could have asked you that would have added more value to this conversation? Anything we didn't talk about that's just you're kicking yourself in the ass for right now? Um. 
Yeah, nothing I can say. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. All right. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. Uh, for the, I'm I'm very humbled by this, Eric. Oh. I, I appreciate. It. I'm so grateful for just this opportunity to do this. With it you. was thank it you. was an honor, and it's it's far overdue. And before I let you go, I gotta have you call somebody out. So, who's one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire and think would be a great guest mentor on the show? You know, um, there's he's this guy is amazing. Um, you know Smith and Walensky? No. The, the, the steakhouse? No. <laughs> oh, wait, because it's I, a chain. Oh, is that why? Oh, Probably. All right. uh, <laughs> Matt King is the executive chef. Okay. He was an assistant of mine in a private club. Okay. This was years ago. Yeah. And he has, this guy, I mean, Eric, when you meet him, within a minute, you'll know exactly what I mean. This guy has got game. Yeah. And he's so cool. He's so genuine. He's so authentic. And he, um, he, you got to get him, just get him on the show. Matt King? Yeah, Matt King. All right, Matt yeah, King. Get, get Matt King. And if you can get, um, uh, Tom, Tom Asaka. Yeah. I think, you know, he's, he's a, he's a media marketing guy, but I think you guys would, uh, you guys would vibrate at the same frequency. Beautiful. Uh, I will get them on the show and let the folks at home know if they want to connect with you. Uh, how can we connect with you? Social media, oh, email, well, anything, there's, websites. There's a lot of different ways, but um, <laughs> I would just say uh, um, David at Coaching Peak Performance. David at Coaching, Coaching Peak, Peak Performance. Performance. This is episode yeah. 350. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 350. I'll have the links right there. A summary of today's discussion, a link back to the books that were recommended, all there in the show notes. David, uh, thank you. Uh, for being my mentor, oh, for being somebody who's willing to take what little time you have to give that time to young people, to influence young people, to be a professor. I mean, you, you do so much. I, I don't know how you do it all, uh, but thank you for being so generous with your time and your knowledge. Well, thank you. I have a lot to give back. Thank there you. is no questioning. You. you are unstoppable. <laughs> we'll cut it there. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> David Mazer on the show. Thank you so much, David, uh, for for joining me. This is something I've been wanting to do for a little while now. And man, this was a real special interview for me. And uh, I mean, this is a melting pot of mentors. And today we got to talk to one of my actual mentors. And I'm sincere when I say I don't believe this podcast would exist today if not for David, if not for his influence, if not for being able to have that person I could go to early on when I was starting and getting feedback and and working through my thoughts. I didn't have another entrepreneur in my life really that understood what I was trying to do, who got it. And to be able to just speak my thoughts and to get it out loud and to get feedback, uh, you know, David, thank you for not just coming on the show today and joining us as a guest mentor, but for for being a life mentor to me and for really being there and, and making this podcast or helping make this podcast uh, become reality. So awesome stuff today. And uh, I think the big lesson, uh, we can end this episode how we started it, and that's with uh, David's quote, uh, you become your experiences. So what are you doing in your life right now? What are you experiencing? Are you experiencing new things? Are you learning new things? Are you pushing yourself? Are you 
growing every day or are you stuck in a rut? Do you show up every day and do the same exact thing? Well, you know, if, if you've paid your dues and you've been there for over a year and they don't have room for you to grow, then it's time to go someplace else. Push yourself, get new experiences, become a person of value. And, you know, it sounds woo-woo and cheesy, and they say that it's not it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, but I think another thing that surfaced today in our conversation was that it never ends. You're, the hustle never ends, and when you accept that you're, the destination, you know, what's next, like, what are you going to do next, or what's your plan, or, you know, like, what's the, the, the end, like, there is no end, it's just continuing to show up every day and to... to fine-tune to find the next thing and when you switch to that mentality um and you just learn to be in the moment to be present to to embrace the experience you're currently having and just to be aware of are you growing are you not growing i mean i think that's when your life will really start to make a, a change for the better and uh just I mean, that's what stood out to me in today's conversation. Uh, great stuff. Uh, and again, thank you so much, David Mazur, for joining me, uh, for being a mentor to, to my listeners, to being a mentor to me. Uh, great stuff today. And guys, like always, uh, please do connect with me, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable, Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore. That's E-R-I-C-C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E and Restaurant Unstoppable at Facebook. Uh, connect with me. Tell me what you think of the show. Tell me who you want to have on the show. Tell me what I could do to make the show better. I want to take this thing to the next level, but we've got to be patient. We've got to you know, scale slowly uh, and just keep showing up, but you guys can help me get this show to the next level if you share it. The best compliment I can receive is knowing that you guys are sharing this podcast. That's the best way you can compliment me. So please think of five people, five restaurant people in your life. If you live in the restaurant industry, if you're a part of the restaurant industry, if that's your life, you should be able to find at least five more people. Share this podcast with them. Uh, Tell them about this melting pot of mentors. Tell them about this resource that's all about crowdsourcing information and everyone just pitching in a little bit to share what they know to be true when it comes to what it takes to make it in this industry, to share knowledge, to, sh- to share experiences, to share that mentorship. That's what we're doing here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Just spread the word, help me out. And uh, thank you so much if you have been listening and spreading the word and uh, using my links and liking my posts and sharing what I'm doing on, on Facebook and Instagram, all that. Thank you so much for your support. I love you all. Until next time, peace out.